0: welcome to episode 9 of Engineering Success with our special guest Mark Farmer. Mark is a founding director and CEO of CAST, a real estate and construction consultancy business with a strong heritage within the UK property development and investment sector. He has 30 years experience in construction and real estate and is a recognised international commentator on a variety of industry and policy related issues. Mark is a member of the Mayor of London's Construction Skills Advisory Group, a board member for the Construction Scotland Innovation Centre, a Co-Chair of Constructing Excellence, a Vice-Chair of the ULI UK Residential Council, a trustee of the Moby Educational Charity and is an honorary professor at the University of Salford School of Built Environment. Mark authored the Farmer Review, an influential 2016 independent government review of the UK's construction labour model entitled Modernise or Die. He is a member of the Construction Innovation Hub Industry Board and chairs the MH CLG, Joint Industry Working Group, tasked with enabling greater use of modern methods of construction in the residential sector. Uh, good afternoon, Mark. Welcome to Engineering Success. Thanks good for job. being on the podcast today. Uh, can we start at the very beginning, how you first started in the construction industry and what was the first company you
1: worked for? Oh, wow. So that's many years ago now. So... Um... That would have been 30 years ago 31 years ago my first job um, was for uh weights construction we were still going strong yeah. i'm glad to say a very well-regarded family-run private business but a very big one yeah. in the uk so my very first job was whilst i was at university studying for my degree and it was um uh, in my summer holiday time so i think it was the first year i just completed my first year of doing my surveying degree, and I wanted a bit of work experience. I wanted to make sure that I didn't get to the end of my degree and wasn't necessarily sort of uh, wired up to what happened on the construction site. So I went and saw Waits, who were headquartered not far from where I lived in South London, um, and they offered me um, some, some experience on site working as a surveyor's assistant. Um, first job was a supermarket down in Epsom near the race course down in Surrey, actually, if I remember right. And it was a really good experience. It was, it was actually very practical. So I'd spent a year studying the theory of surveying, which included building design, construction, engineering, technology. Um, commercial, contract, law, lots of different things actually across across the uh, construction and built environment sector. But then to see it put into practice on, on this site that I was working on was fantastic. And that's why I've always been a strong advocate of vocationally-led training. So actually learning academically, but also trying to put it into applied practice. So um, that was my first opportunity to do that, working with people in teams. So it, it, all of a sudden, lots of that theory um, became very practically based in terms of working in a small team, in a commercial team, dealing with contractors, with operatives on site, and building the site manager, the project managers, engineers, architects, um, different disciplines. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a, it was a hugely enjoyable um, uh, eight weeks, I think, I spent. Um, mm-hmm. And then subsequent to that, I joined the business that I, I stayed with for 25 years. So <laughs> when I when I graduated... Um, I joined a, a, a large surveying business called E.C. Harris, which yeah. is now Arcadis. Arcadis is a big international global engineering consultancy, um, and I stayed with them for 25 years, so it was, I, I was very happy there and um, uh, uh, had a great career looking and, and doing lots of different things in construction.
0: Yeah. So who or what has been your biggest inspiration?
1: Um, yeah, right. That's a that's a really difficult one. I mean if I was to if I was to pick up on one thing that I believe construction as a career offers you, and it's been an inspiration to me, it's a, it's a sense that you can do whatever you want, and you can get as far as you want without any real barriers. So it is a real sort of merit-based industry yeah. so if you are good and you put the effort in you will go as far as you want to there's no sort of yeah. glass ceilings there where you sort of the you know the counterstats against you if you if you put the effort in you have the aptitude and the the application to try and um, do things well then you usually get on and I've always had that as one of my maxims you know I come from a a fairly average background, working class family in South London, went to local comprehensive. Um, switched on fairly late, actually, to academic work. So my O-levels, or what are now GCSEs, um, sort of a year or so to go, I decided, right, well, i better knuckle down and yeah. do some work. And, <laughs> and actually, that, that helped me in good stead. My A-levels, um, I worked hard at, because I knew that was a stepping stone to getting a, a career and yeah. a good job. Yeah. Um, and actually you know, did, did A-levels in maths, physics and geography so it was always going to be something that was leaning towards engineering or technical um, uh, type working but that, yeah, my inspiration has been in this industry you can go as far as you want to and yeah. make as much as, of yourself as you, you want to without there being any barriers in the way and that's yeah. certainly proven to be the case yeah. myself.
0: So a lot of leaders have daily or weekly habits
1: do you have any weekly, daily habits that you'd like to share? Um, so, so as chief executive of my own business, I have to keep some kind of structure and order to my diary. Probably the biggest problem I have is diary management and having an element of routine. It can never really be a regular routine, but I have to, I have to have sort of a period every week when I do certain things. Right. It has to be carved out of my diary. in Many respects by my PA, uh, and those things will relate to doing things, actually, yeah. rather than talking about doing things. So yeah. I spend a lot of time in meetings, and that's great, because actually a lot of what we do in our industry is face-to-face time, is talking, debating, but ultimately, you don't have to go away from those meetings and do some things. Yeah. You have like yeah. to write reports, or you you, you you write feedback, or you prepare outputs uh, based on the discussion you had. So yeah. I need to make sure part of my working week is doing things, rather yeah. than talking about <laughs> things. Yeah. And also as a chief executive, you're obviously responsible for leading the business. So there is absolutely a need every week to make sure that I'm close to what's going on in the business operationally. You know, Is everything under control in terms of you know, what uh, our clients are experiencing, what our people are experiencing? Uh, is, is there a hand on the tiller? So I think it's really, for me, those, those habits are driven by making sure I have time in my diary every week without fail to yeah. make sure that I have some quality time to review those aspects of what I'm, yeah, the doubt to do effectively as chief executive of my own business. Yeah, yeah. So, what attributes do you need to be the chief executive of CAST? Um, so I think there's uh, certainly as a startup business, and I would say we are just coming out of being a startup business. The CAST is only three and a bit years old, mm. so we uh, I set it up with three other partners, um, as I say, just over three years ago. Um, and to be CEO of that business in, in startup phase, the one thing I, I believe um, I've had to be really focused on and is really important is is drive um, to, to make an impact and to deliver the right strategy. Because you can set a business up if you're in the wrong part of the market or you've got your offer wrong, then you won't succeed. So the one thing I've been really, really focused on is making sure that what we do here at Cast as a consultancy business is absolutely what the industry and the market wants, Yeah. that we've got good clients, that we're doing good stuff, and that our, our brand and our reputation, and that's a really important thing when you're evolving a new business, you have to build a brand and reputation. Yeah. So for me, I've, I've, I've always tended to have an outward-facing focus, so understanding market dynamics, understanding clients, understanding the power of brand, yeah. and communicative marketing, communications, PR. So I, I very much, um, had had that focus from the offer and actually I've, I've, I've had to balance that with making sure that as well as facing outwards so I also face inwards so yeah. I'm leading the people here yeah. you know with 65, 70 people so um, the, the attributes of both having two sides to your brain one is market facing always about strategy where are we going and actually the other thing we're facing making sure that yeah. you know, you're know you leading people yeah. people are coming with you on that journey they've, they've got what they need to succeed
0: et cetera, et cetera. yeah yeah so what challenges do you face on a
1: weekly basis? So, uh, other than the, the, the complications of running my diary, as I've already <laughs> said, which is probably the most logistical, logistically challenging nightmare that my PA has to deal with, um, it's just been constantly having, having a finger on the pulse, I would say. So our markets are very dynamic at the moment, uh, the world is changing very fast, um, and recognizing that our clients Um, are are asking for different things in different ways we have new opportunities that come in every week that I have to make a decision whether it's right for us to to do that business or not Um, we can't do everything so we have to make decisions And and, um, so part of it is just having that finger on the pulse in a fast moving environment where um, there's lots of decisions to be made and decision making um, or supporting decision making so I don't tend to think autocratically, so it's not all about I say this is what we do, and it's about having a collaborative approach amongst leadership of the business uh, and engaging as many people as possible and trying to get a a consensus as to what we should be doing or how we should be doing Yeah,
0: yeah. So what would your number one piece of advice be for somebody starting a career in the construction industry?
1: So my my overarching message would be do it, because if there's one thing I may have – learned from being in the industry for over 30 years now is it's hugely fulfilling. It's a unique industry in, in many respects. So what we what we offer in construction um, and particularly as we move to a different phase in our industry because our industry is going through massive change at the moment that I think will completely redefine what construction and built environment careers look like but hugely exciting and positive changes actually. Yeah. Um, the one thing that, that I, I look back on my career um, with massive pride that you know, my CV of everything I've done is not a four-page Word document that's printed out with a load of stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Actually, my CV, I can point to. I can point to it in London, I can point to it in Manchester, I can point to it in Berlin, in Abu Dhabi, in in, in Hong Kong. I can point to projects that I've been involved with yeah. and say I worked on that. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. a really tangible Thing. and it, it really brought me back to why I ended up in construction in some respects and my father was a stonemason. Right. so he uh uh worked for 40 odd years yeah. in, in a fairly yeah. traditional tradesman type environment. Yeah. in the apprenticeship worked in marble stone and granite for all his, his entire career and as a kid growing up he used to do exactly what I just said he used to drive around um uh, in London for instance and point to projects and say I yeah. worked on that yeah, I did yeah. this I did that and I, I, that sort of created a connection with me so that sense of having a real impact yeah. you know what, our, what we do in our industry has one of the biggest impacts that you can have in any industry we make things that affect people's lives we build buildings we build infrastructure um, we do things that affect the national economy um, yeah, the, the, the ability of UK PLC to prosper on the world stage we build Homes, hospitals, schools, you name it—we're yeah. involved in some shape or form, and I think that's unique. Yeah. And you know, so, for anyone contemplating the career, um, that will be—it's you know, always different. Every every day is different. You're yeah. not going into a, an environment where you're going to be doing the same thing for thirty years. It is so far away from that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And yeah. yeah. um, the really exciting spin on that is our careers, our, our, um, uh, our industry is now entering this new phase where technology is starting to really grab hold yeah. of what we do. So if any young kids out there interested in the industry and also into technology, into power computing oh, okay. and um, digital modelling and all of yeah. the tools that, that um, many will be using in, in, their, in their sort of daily life, that's all happening now in construction yeah. in a way I've never seen before in my life. And I think it's hugely exciting. Yeah.
0: So why do you feel there's been a
1: skill shortage in the
0: construction industry?
1: So so some of it is a legacy of how our industry has been structured um, for many years. So the, the biggest problem we face as an industry is that we have an aging workforce. Yeah. So we are now in a period where we haven't been actively recruiting enough young talent. We haven't really been focused on investing in young people coming to our industry in a way that we should. I think we're doing it now. Yeah. But Actually, you know, well, some might argue it's a bit late, yeah. but better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> but Against that, we have this huge problem that we have four or five times as many people retiring a year than we have people entering in yeah. So we've now got this real crunch point in terms of the industry's being asked to do more and more, but it potentially has less people, which means we have to change how we deliver because it's a numbers game. If you're being asked to do more and more with less and less, you have to improve your productivity, which is where technology yeah. comes into play. The technology reforming, how we design, how we probably be- more manufactured buildings rather than construct them. So we start to move towards manufacturing principles yeah, yeah, yeah. of how we build up parts of buildings and building components. Uh, it's going to be massively important. And I mean, also, we've been reliant on every time that we have a boom in construction, we just assume that uh, overseas labour is going to supplement our workforce. And I think that is now a false premise for all the reasons we probably already know politically that we yeah. have big changes in terms of um, what's going on in the world uh, over in Westminster at the moment, however that unwinds, that's going to have put pressure on construction in terms of its ability just to draw in supplementary labour. Yeah, yeah. So we have to think about our homegrown talent. We have to think, and it is talent's the important thing here. We don't want anyone, we want people that are absolutely motivated to enjoy the career, be proud in what they do, really deliver something that's, that's going to change the face of you know right. our, our society, which is great homes, great hospitals, um, uh, and, and actually um, want to put something back. There's an element of you know, bigger picture thinking here, which is I, I yeah. want to put something back into society. It also you know, happens to be very rewarding financially yeah. as well, but that yeah. to an extent is yeah. a corollary to the fact that it's a fantastic industry to work in, but yeah. so you can have both. Yeah, yeah.
0: So do you feel that the construction industry could promote itself better?
1: Yes, I, I don't think it's been the best at presenting itself in a coherent, joined-up fashion to the outside world. Yeah. And by that, I mean just the general public, but also school kids and the younger generation and their influences, including careers advisors and teachers, who yeah. probably all carry various perceptions or stigma yeah. of what construction represents. And I mean, what we've... That is perhaps that strategic viewpoint on how do you attract young people to our industry that perhaps the army the air force and the navy have done very well at yeah. over the last yeah. decade with some very coordinated tv campaigns yeah. big social media campaigns where they've this really focused on what, what makes a career in the forces yeah really attractive yeah, yeah. and we can do that in our industry as well we need to think like that though it's, but it has to be one version of the truth which is absolutely about where our industry is going not where it's been but actually if you're selling our industry where it's been that isn't good enough actually it's where our industry is on the cusp of going to is going to be the big attraction which you can use as part of a strategic marketing campaign you can use role models you can use case studies of actually what good looks like in our industry and it's increasingly every day that goes past it's very different to what we were doing even two years back Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: so what are the biggest changes that you've seen uh, in the construction industry uh,
1: during your career, um, so of technology and, and, and what's really interesting. So when I first joined um, uh, my first business after I graduated in, in the early 1990s, um, there was only I think there was 30 people in the office and there was two computers. <laughs> there was yeah. no mobile phones. I no. seem to remember. I think the partner, one there was one person with a mobile phone. Everything was done through telephone and fax machine. Yeah. some people might not even know what a fax machine is, <laughs> but that was a means of communicating um, business to business using paper and then scanning the paper in. And ultimately, yeah. if there's one thing that I look back um, over that journey is technology's impact. It was initially quite subtle. Yeah. So all of a sudden, mobiles become more, more and more prevalent. Then everyone had a computer, initially a desktop, and yeah. laptops started coming in, um, and then gradually, uh, particularly it's accelerated over the last decade, mm. where now technology is front and centre. But even now, we haven't even touched the surface mm. of the reality of how technology is going to change how we do things, whether it's design, whether it's, um, it's procurement, whether it's physical construction on a, on a, on a building site. Yeah. The technology element of what we do is still very, very superficial. There's massive potential for that to change. But if I was to say there's one thing that's completely redefined, what I did when I was sitting at my desk 30 years ago, to what I would do if I was in the same position now, and I look yeah. back at some of my younger t- members of the team, and what they're doing is challenges. Because it's technology and how they're communicating, using email, using yeah. um, their, 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 their mobiles, using digital modelling, using automated quantification all of these things weren't even dreamt about. No. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, technology, I'd say, is the big thing. Yeah. So how
0: do you see it changing in the next five to ten years? Technology even further, would you say? I think so. I think,
1: you know, there is a, there's a, a rule called Moore's Law. Moore's Law, which is named after Gordon Moore, who's the chief executive of Intel, the processor company yeah. from the U.S. I think it was back in the 60s, he predicted that the processor speed would double every couple of years, right. so exponential growth, and in broad terms, he's about right. So actually, if you sort of map that into where we're going around technology um, uptake in not just construction, but in broader um, business sectors, you can see the pace of change actually quickening. Yeah. So we're not talking linear change, we're talking accelerated change, we're talking about the scope of what can be impacted, broadening. We're talking about automation of some processes but then augmentation of others and that's really important for not just construction but other sectors because it's going to change the type of workers that we need in the future. Yeah. So kids interested in coming into our industry as they should be, the way in which they're going to be working with technology means that the, the sort of job description, the role that for many years have been traditional roles in our industry, I think are going to start blurring yeah. the boundaries of you know, whether you're you might have traditionally thought I'm going to be an architect or I'm going to be a surveyor or I'm going to be a civil engineer or building services engineer. My view is that technology is going to do a lot of the deep dive technical yeah. work. Yeah. And actually yeah. what we need is a new form of talent, which is about creative thinking. It is about engineering and it's about yeah. math- mathematics and it's about um, some of those sort of more wide skills to you know, be able to deal with numeracy, concepts etc yeah. but it has to be balanced with this sort of creativity and i yeah. think the, the the really exciting thing is how technology sort of unleashes the potential of humans to mm-hmm. think differently yeah. think broadly yeah and i think anyone who's thinking about doing engineering and doing engineering in, in, in a construction environment has got a huge opportunity to broaden themselves yeah. In a way that perhaps we haven't had in the past, where if you did engineering, you were you know you learn mathematical formulae, you learn how yeah. the materials works, et cetera, and that was it. But now technology can do all that, so actually it's about real world application. It's yeah. so, about well, what's that? What's that data telling you? What's that computer program telling me? What's the abnormal? What can I tell my client? How can I push the boundaries on that design? How can I do something that's different? Yeah. And that's again, that's massively exciting in terms of liberating people. Yeah. So lots of people say, oh, it's all about automation. That means that there won't be any jobs. That's huge. Way off the mark. (laughs) My my view is that the jobs will be just different. And it'll be more exciting because some of those routine tasks that are quite mundane, quite boring in many respects, you won't have to do it. Mm. That will be automated. And actually, people's time will be spent doing really interesting stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, I definitely see this sort of accelerated technology evolution happening. And, and improving the, the quality of the jobs, actually. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, how do you keep yourself motivated?
1: Uh, well, I don't actually struggle with that in many respects. So, I'm pretty lucky. I, you know, I run my own business, as I said. Um, I also have this wider ambassadorial role in the industry, having wrote, um, written a report for the, the government over three years ago now, or just, sorry, just coming up to three years ago. Um, I get asked to do lots of things that actually are this just running my business, which yeah. is a huge privilege to be known in the industry and to be known as a, someone who's trying to drive change has led to great opportunity for me to travel. So I, I've spent a lot of time traveling over the last three years across the world, meeting like minded people who want to modernize their industries, whether it's in Australia, whether it's in Hong Kong, the US, France. Scandinavia everywhere you know all the people the yeah. places I've been to we have common challenges which is we want to change our construction industry yeah we want to make it better and I think that for me is motivating in a way that I couldn't have even believed in three years ago so I have obviously the motivation around the business and making sure' success yeah. I'm very happy you know three years in. You know, we, I, I don't want to count chickens, but we, we seem to have done a good job. People know the Cast brand and the business yeah. that I lead, and we, we've we got some great clients, and I've got some great people, some of the best people I've worked with in my career are in this business now. Yeah. And then I have this huge thing, which is about trying to drive the industry forward yeah. the outside of that, and uh, sometimes it's a bit challenging doing those two things together, but uh, for, for me, I've made it work to date, and I'm able... Yeah endeavour to make sure I can continue to do so. Yeah.
0: So we we know it's um, important to con continually develop ourselves. How do you develop yourself?
1: So there is a my my son um, uh, came home one day about two years ago with this this sort of saying that no, I've never forgotten actually. He said he said Dad, every day is a school day now, which I thought was really telling, and he was talking about that in the context of. Uh, you think you know, you've know done your GCSEs or you've done your A-levels or you've done a degree or whatever it is you might end up doing and that's it you then just do your work and <laughs> yeah. that's it and then you go all the way through and you retire the reality is that statement is inferring that you have to continually develop it. so to broaden your horizons around personal knowledge self-development is really important it yeah. doesn't matter how senior you might be anyone who says they know it all uh, when they, they're finished. <laughs> <So> that, <laughs> yeah. that arrogance is, yeah. is, is really sort of the, the slippery slope in, in, in my view. Yeah. So from my perspective, the one thing that I've used to massive advantage, and it, it keeps my thinking on the pulse respects is something simple like social media. Yeah. So my ability to harvest what's going on in the world around latest developments in thinking, innovations, um, uh, just uh, current affairs, uh, wider current affairs, what's going on in our industry, who's doing what, new releases of, of innovations or reports coming out. I get most of it from social media. So right. I'm on Twitter, which is uh, I've been on for uh, six six odd years, I think. Um, my Twitter feed I've designed to give me every day my finger on the pulse of what's who's doing what, yeah. and it's it's massively powerful because rather than have to go out and search. For information that comes to you. Yeah, That's yeah, the whole yeah, idea of social yeah. media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can set up your your, your, your um, the structure of your social media to draw that information to you. Yeah. So I find that disproportionately powerful. It doesn't take a lot of time to go through every day and just want to post, uh, understand what's going on to react to stuff. I'm active on Twitter as well, so I post stuff out there and you get feedback, you get yeah. you get all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, look, for me, self development has to be about reading around what's going on, being aware of your market, your environment, being aware of current affairs, politics, policy evolution, our industries currently being affected by a lot of changes in government policy. Yeah. So you have to keep sort of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah. on a more broad scale, what attributes do you believe are uh, needed to be successful in business?
1: So I think you have to have, business is all about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is, is all about um, risk and reward, I suppose, that's ultimately what it comes down to, is understanding, you know, is there an opportunity to do something that a client is prepared to, to pay you for? Um, how do you differentiate yourself in the market? Yeah. Um, how to do things well? So you actually you get greater market share, how to do things well, so you, your price point enables you to make money rather than lose money. Yeah. Too many businesses are out there that are losing money, so yeah. you have to be financially viable. And uh, yeah. so, so for me, entrepreneurship, which is a sort of an intuitive skill, it's not something you can necessarily be taught. Yeah. Albeit, I think you might have it in you and not necessarily have it developed. So you have to expose yourself to the, to being in business yeah. to let it develop and I've been very lucky in my career having spent 25 years in a big business and having worked all the way through that business from, from top um, from bottom to near the top as an as a, as a equity uh, partner yeah. I was really fortunate to be exposed to running business yeah. units being responsible for profitability nice. being responsible for people and, and business is not just about sheets and the pound and and pents is about people so the one thing you, you have to recognises entrepreneurship is about motivating people to deliver with you as a team yeah. you can't do it on your own you yeah. can set a strategy you can set a vision ultimately then you have to, you need people to deliver that so that that sense of you know, discovering your inner entrepreneurship for yeah. me is the big big thing that i've learned and you know it, uh, probably in the last 50 20 years of my career that has come to the fore perhaps more so than some of the technical aspects that i spent the first part of my career doing yeah and I think it's really important I did that because my ability to move from being a technical expert into a businessman one depended on the other yeah. and certainly that transition sort of was assisted by not having jumped in straight away thinking yeah I can be a bit, run business yeah. if I hadn't done the hard yards I wouldn't be that yeah, run a yeah, business yeah, yeah, so yeah. there is a sequence to it yeah.
0: so have you had many mentors
1: on your career um, so there's probably one that stands out for me who's my First boss actually we ended up being a, um, a boss for well 15, 20 years actually. So when I first joined um, EC House, um, I, my um, the partner that I worked for um, was someone that I I role modelled myself on in many respects. He yeah. was uh, he was a really interesting character that um, he was really he had a strong commercial acumen. Yeah. He understood business. He was very good technically as a surveyor. Mm-hmm. He was a very, very good surveyor. He understood the price of things, the cost of things. He understood uh, efficiency, productivity, all the things that we struggle yeah. with as an industry. Um, he, he taught me a way of not just doing my business, but how to interact in the right world. So he was ultimately a businessman as well. Yeah. So he led a business unit, and I picked up many of my um, traits from, from him in terms of um, being someone that, that was a, a professional expert, but also someone who could effectively run a business, lead a team, yeah.
0: um,
1: gain respect from clients and also from members of the team. So so yeah, I, I think ultimately um, you know, one of the, the the mentor influence type thing is usually someone that you come across in work, in yeah. the work environment, yeah. that you see and you think actually... I want to be like him or her yeah. and you know, that's certainly my experience. Yeah, yeah.
0: So if you had the opportunity, would you change anything that you've done so far in your
1: career? I think the honest answer is no. I, I, I'm really content. I look back on my career. Um, some people have asked me whether I would have wanted to set up my own business a bit earlier. Yeah. Um, and my answer to that is no. I think actually the, the many years I spent in big business were fantastic. I yeah. had. Great opportunity. I worked in virtually every sector of construction and engineering. I worked in civil engineering, I worked on the Channel Tunnel, I worked on the Jubilee Line Extension, I've worked in retail, commercial offices, hotels, distribution, residential. I've worked in the UK, I've worked in Europe, I've worked in the Middle East, I've worked in Asia. That is a hugely rewarding yeah. career to look back on, and yeah. I wouldn't change. I, I wouldn't change any of that for anything. I wouldn't change any of that for anything. It, it's, it's enabled me to meet lots of people, build a network. I have across the world actually that I still you know, uh, uh, have lots of existing connections with. Yeah. So um, that was a really important chapter in my life. My, my last three years have been very different, uh, but I think in relative terms, the timing of that. Um, I don't yeah. think. Um, I've got I've got no regrets about doing it when I did even yeah, yeah. doing it later or earlier you know for me my career today has been you know, really, really exciting and I, I look forward to continuing that way
0: yeah so having accomplished so much what does the future hold for you
1: so I, I'm I'm still massively motivated as I as I said uh, by running this business here at Cast mm-hmm. and making this success building on the great work we've already done in, in first three years of trading, being known for doing things differently. You know, There's one thing that I want the brand to represent, it's being a disruptor, but being a responsible disruptor, making sure our clients are being looked after, but doing things differently, if we can do it um, yeah. that way. And clearly, with the link to everything else I'm doing in, in the wider industry, I um, I will be continuing pushing the industry and agitating the industry towards change. I I don't necessarily make myself that popular in certain parts of the industry in terms of those parts that perhaps don't agree with my methods or my narrative or just best of interest that don't want change. There's all sorts of reasons why people wouldn't necessarily want to modernise what we do. but, you know, I, I respect all of that. People would, you know, have their own opinions and, you know, that, that that's free speech, etc. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that I won't be pushing um, as I have been for the last two and a half, three years to change our industry. And I will continue to do that. I do it with a passion. And I do believe we're starting to see the first signs that maybe I is at last waking up to recognize it's a different way of doing things, which is yeah. hugely, you know, massively, um, represents massive <coughs> opportunity. Yeah. For, for the industry in terms of embracing technology, recruiting a much more diverse um, and, and um, talent-rich pool of resource. Yeah. Um. And so we we're on the cusp of something really exciting. I think, yeah. Uh,
0: that's it, Mark. Thank you for your time. It would have been great to have you on the show. Thank you. Join us next time on Engineering Success for more insights from successful and inspirational leaders within the engineering and construction industries. I would love you to subscribe to the podcast and please leave a rating and review. Have an amazing week and see you next time on Engineering Success.